You're here to listen, and I'm here to talk. This is Spirit Signal with Justin Gleason. It's time to spread the gospel, all while staying the plague. Stop binge-watching too much TV. You don't need all that in your head. Put down your remote, close your laptop, silence your devices, and start binge-reading your Bible. Then turn on your camera. Turn your phone around. Get out your Bible, make a few notes, and preach the gospel on social media. It's time to put your own face on your own Facebook. Tell the world that God's in control. Get out your guitar. Sing a little song. Bring back an oldie. Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. But nowadays, it's not the main line anymore. It's the Facebook. Jesus on the Facebook, tell him what you want. We are not in a season of persecution of the faith, but a season of common sense strategies to stop a pandemic. Apostolic Pentecostal people can get sick. Spirit signal people can get this dreaded virus. Why? You and I are flesh. It is the human condition. All of us are susceptible to these things. So continue to wash your hands. Wash your hands like a surgeon. Get a nice mask. Stop licking the doorknobs. Stop doing things just to prove that you're not prejudiced or you're fearful. Don't do that stuff. Be wise. Use wisdom. Be smart about this. We need to be alive. COVID-19 is not worth perishing over. Thank you so much to all of our Spirit Signal with Justin Gleason listeners. After talking to many of you on the phone, getting texts from you, messages, uh, interaction on social media, email, all of that, and then seeing you uh, face-to-face here at our local church and at other places, I really appreciate all of your listenership. You all are loyal. You guys are smart, and you're just delightful to be around. So I'd like for you and I to continue to stay connected. Follow me on social media, Justin C. Gleason, J-U-S-T-I-N-C-G-L-E-A-S-O-N. And uh, continue to listen to Spirit Signal with Justin Gleason. Uh, You know today's a special day. Uh, We have been producing podcast episodes for 60 days now. Yes, 60 days of bringing you Pentecostal podcasting excellence. Thank you so much for listening. Um, Many of you do listen to me through your podcast directories. Probably the number one is Apple Podcast. Thank you so much for leaving us great reviews and ratings. I just want to read to you some of the reviews we've gotten. 321LPG says, Love the content. OG Double May NE says, The podcast has blessed me. Each episode is full of good, practical, biblical information. Brother Justin is one of the best storytellers, and I recommend this podcast to everyone. J Bone 4X. Great stuff from Justin Gleason. Every episode comes from a well of deep theological study and reflection. I would recommend you listen to Spirit Signal for encouragement and education. That's Pastor Jordan Booker. Thank you, Pastor. 
Doug Kleindenst, the great evangelist, Doug Kleindenst, marvelous preacher and teacher. Visit his website, Doug Kleindenst. Amazing books, amazing products. He's a great voice uh, during this time and season. Find him on social media. Find him on YouTube. You'll be blessed. Brother Kleindenst gave us a remark. He says, Justin Gleason is an insightful and uniquely thoughtful mind. This opportunity to listen on his thoughts and prophetic view is a valuable treasure for Christians everywhere. Highly recommend. A plus. MNB 2020. That is my sister Marissa. She says this podcast adds riches, richness to life. Well done podcast. Excellent content. B.D. Walker, Brother Ben Walker, how you doing, man? Says this is going to be great. Can't wait. KW729-1981, this is going to be better than the EIB network. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I appreciate your faith. Telling it like it is with excellence. So thank you so much to all of those uh, really nice comments. Those mean a lot to me, and I'm glad that I'm being a blessing to you all and uh, adding value. Uh, I'll say this. You know, when I jumped into this, I really didn't know what I was getting into. I was actually kind of uh, terrified, didn't feel I was meant to do it. But hearing such a great response lets me know that we're we're saying something that connects. We have a great message. And uh, that's why this podcast is growing, is God is giving us a message. We've got a message. We, we've got ideas. But I get compliments on my storytelling. I get compliments on my storytelling. I get compliments on my content. I get compliments just on uh, my timing, I guess, and things that I talk about, also my insight and the energy and fire that I have. But I tell you, the number one compliment that I get that is very surprising to me <laughs> is my voice. People say I have a podcasting voice. So I'll take that as a compliment. Thank the Lord for a good voice. And you want to know what? That makes me smile. And, and a few times that's brought tears to my eyes. Because you want to know what? I come from families of good singers. Uh, my father's a Gleason. My mother's a Dyson. There is so much great singing in the family. And I mean, just incredible singing, in incredible uh, talent, incredible anointing in that department. I have not excelled in that department. I sing in the tune of off. I sing in the tune of really pitchy. It, it's just never gone good for me. Maybe if I would have taken voice lessons, it could have gone better. But I just have doubted that I have a quality voice. But we are finding out my voice was never meant to praise the Lord in song, but my voice was given to me to podcast on this microphone all over the internet. So we thank you so much for those uh, compliments, and we hope we never let you down. And uh, please continue to give good feedback. It kind of lets us know where we are at. I would say I would appreciate uh, questions, listener questions. Uh, questions are good. If you questions are always good, but I just want to say if you feel you're new and upcoming in the ministry, you're trying to grow, you're trying to learn, you want to get the attention of great men and women of God who have gone before you and have been blessed with tremendous success, you need to ask them good questions. You want to know a secret? Your questions let your pastor, your teacher, your mentor know where you are at. If you ask good questions, that is a sign you are in a good place. That is a sign that you are thinking and a sign that you are submitted and you respect them enough to uh, want their opinion on something. 
to know what they feel about it. So you need to be asking good questions. So uh, submit your questions to me. Uh, find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Justin C. Gleason. Uh, I guess you can also uh, email me, spiritsignaljg at gmail.com uh, for the time being at that email address, spiritsignaljg at gmail.com. And uh, please make your questions about God, Bible, and church. That's about all we really have time for. That's all I really want to answer uh, right now. Unless you have a question about uh, Kansas City barbecue and Kansas City frozen custard, I will be willing to answer any question you have on those subjects. Today's idea is understanding scripture like Daniel. Last episode... We discussed Pray Like Daniel. Today is Understanding Scripture Like Daniel. Daniel's life, his walk with God, was primarily spent in a very foreign pagan land, away from the land that he knew and that he loved. And there were three major things that kept him going, that kept him spiritually focused, and that was his prayer, his understanding of scriptures, and his fasting. These were the foundational principles of Daniel's faith and walk with God. And actually, these uh, three foundational principles found in the Old Testament are implemented in the New Testament. Prayer, understanding of Scripture, and fasting. Those are the three spiritual disciplines in our walk with God. I love the book of Daniel. It is a great devotional book. It would be a great book to read during this time of pandemic. I think the life that he lived, we can find ourselves all of our lives in the book of Daniel and in the life of the three Hebrew boys. Uh, the Bible says in the book of Daniel, chapter 1, verse 17, As for these four young men, speaking of Daniel and the uh, three Hebrew boys, as for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in visions and dreams. In visions and dreams. On over to uh, chapter 9. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the, of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of of Jerusalem. Mm. So there's other passages in here regarding to how Daniel used the word of God in his life, but specifically these two. Remember this, God gave Daniel special understanding and knowledge in literature. It was God-given. It didn't come through teachers. It didn't come through genetics. God gave him special understanding in literature. You then look in Daniel chapter 9, when Daniel is about to pray and fast for his people. What does he look to for direction? What does he look to to understanding? What does he look to for insight as to what is going on and what is to come? He looks to the word of the Lord, the Holy Scriptures, written by Jeremiah. Daniel did not have a copy of the entire Bible, because all of the books after him, you know, to the right in your Bible... All of the minor prophets, all of the books of the New Testament had not been written yet. He has everything to the left in your Bible, or if you're using a digital app, everything above him, not everything below him on your screen there. He had all of the books, Genesis, 
uh, to Jeremiah, at least. He probably would have been familiar uh, maybe with some of the writings of Ezekiel, some of the prophecies of Ezekiel, but definitely, definitely a Genesis to Jeremiah. That's the Bible that Daniel had. That's the Bible that Daniel read. That is the Bible that Daniel knew. That is the Bible that Daniel understood and implemented into his life. Now, I, w- I want to give you some examples of Daniel's life, the troubles that he faced, and how the Word of God sustained him, encouraged him, help give him wisdom in the way that he should go, uh, how he should act accordingly to the trials that he was put on. You take, for instance, first of all, just the captivity and becoming a eunuch. Yes, Daniel was uh, led away. He was a captive, uh, and he was also made a eunuch. You know, that's tough, being taken away from your homeland and then being made a eunuch. Difficult times. And I'm sure Daniel questioned, God, why? Why now? Why me? Well, I tell you what, there's some scriptures I believe that Daniel looked to and gave him comfort, knowing that God knew what was going on. You take a look at Isaiah the prophet's writings that he would have known, Isaiah 39. Isaiah prophesied that the sons of Israel will be taken into Babylon and become eunuchs in palaces, in the palaces of the king of Babylon. Isaiah prophesied that before Daniel was even born, that the sons of Israel, meaning future descendants, which Daniel was, they would be taken into Babylon and become eunuchs. It was prophesied. It was the word of God. It would happen, and it was fulfilled in Daniel's life. Mm. Later find out it says in Daniel 1.3 that Nebuchadnezzar took the children of Israel and the king's seed and the princes, you know, bringing him into his palace to control them, to control their interaction with uh, the wives of the nobles and other circumstances, they made them eunuchs. I could just imagine Daniel and the three Hebrew boys looking to these passages and Isaiah and other places, and although they didn't like it, but it helped them to understand why what happened, why it happened. Why being captive and made a eunuch, why it happened? Well, the Word of God said it would happen, and it gives the reasons why. It was because of the sins of the forefathers. See, never for one minute think that what you do today will not affect your future generations. Now, granted, the sins of our forefathers do not pass to us, but I believe in what you sow is also what you reap. Family dynamics are passed down to children. Genetics are passed down to children. Uh, The spirit world follows generations. Angels follow generation to generation, and so do demons. So make good decisions. It may or may not affect your children in the future. You know, there are people out there, and maybe you're one of these people that believes, believes that everything happens for a reason. When somebody says that everything happens for a reason, that is code, meaning the current trouble that I am in is working out for a greater good. Something good is going to come out of this, meaning what is going on right now has nothing to do with past choices. It has everything to do with the future direction of your life. I was in the hospital several years ago praying for a woman who had fallen and broken her hip. Horrible, horrible uh, thing. Horrible accident. 
And as I was visiting this mother in the hospital, she said, I believe that this happened for a reason. I don't know why, but it happened for a reason. And one of the family members of this lady who was sitting in the room, and they spoke up and said, yeah, the reason was you were careless and you weren't looking where you were going and you fell and now you're in the hospital with a broken hip. I just turned and looked at that person, looked at everybody else in the room and looked at that person in the hospital bed. And all I did was raise my eyebrows. Can I tell you this? You, you, want, a, you want a good uh, secretive response to an awkward moment like that? All you got to do is raise your eyebrows. Just raise your eyebrows and go silent. Don't be the next person to speak. Just wait for somebody else to speak up. But when you raise your eyebrows, that lets them, first of all, know that you heard them. And that lets them know that you really don't know what to think about what they said. That way you protect yourself. That way you don't make the situation more awkward. Just raise your eyebrows. So somebody changed the subject. I was able to pray for that lady. And you know what? She recovered and she's walking okay. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I think sometimes things that happen to us are because of uh, poor choices, carelessness, irresponsibility. And that happens, you know, to all of us. Uh, That happens to all of us. You know, uh, back when I had a truck... When I uh, was going to school uh, across state, I was coming home. All of my luggage and belongings was in the back of my truck. And I put a garment bag full of suit, suits and ties, a lot of dress clothes on top of that truck. Well, I'm, I'm driving, you know, 70 miles an hour down the highway, you know, with nothing tied down, everything just thrown in the back of a truck. And I get up to the house. I go to unpack my stuff, and the garment bag is gone. And I just panicked, freaked out. All my suits are in there. And I was actually about to uh, go on corral tour. You know, I can't get up in a Bible college corral tour in jeans and a t-shirt and play bass and sing. I needed my suits and ties. Well, I figured, you know what? Probably the garment bag blew out of the truck and it's on the side of the road. And yeah, that's exactly what happened. I drove two or three miles up the road and there were all of my clothes strung out all over the highway. I pulled over, got out, tried to salvage anything I could, but there was no saving it. You know, matter of fact, when I walked up near it, I smelt the sweet smell of uh, Giorgio Armani, Aquadigio. It smelled so good. The whole highway was covered in cologne. I had a bottle of cologne that exploded and uh, was a sweet-smelling incense up to the Lord for my sacrifice of all of my clothes. Did all of that happen for a future reason? No. It happened because I was careless. It would have been nice if God would have stopped that, but God doesn't so much work with uh, not thinking ahead. (laughs) God usually doesn't work with not using good wisdom and things like that. So you got to think ahead. You know, think ahead. Uh, Daniel was put on test on a major test for his diet. You know, the Babylonians ate all kinds of strange meat. Uh, Lions, rattlesnakes, uh, strange fish, things like that that would have not lined up with the word of God that Daniel would have loved. Uh, So Daniel said, I can't defile myself with these strange meats. It's unclean to me. And the Babylonians, you know, wanted to work with Daniel, and they said, fine, uh, we'll work with you. And and, uh, Daniel was put on test. Uh, for 10 days, and he ate nothing but pulse or kosher uh, vegetables, probably seeds, probably beans. And after 10 days, 
he was uh, assessed, and it says his face was fatter than everybody else. So all of you that are going on the Daniel's diet uh, to try to lose weight, and that's not the real Daniel's diet. You need to eat nothing but vegetables for 10 days and then look in the mirror and see if your face got fatter. Oh, you don't believe me? Read the book of Daniel. Read it. It's there. But what scripture would have Daniel held on to, you know, to not eat all of this unclean meat? Probably Leviticus chapter 11. The word of the Lord says unclean food, such as pork, camels, reptiles, all of that. Uh, It shall be unclean to you. You shall live a consecrated life. I am holy. You be holy. Do not defile yourselves. I brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. So the word of the Lord was more important to Daniel than looking cool. The word of the Lord was more important than Babylonian nutrition, Babylonian diet. Now, uh, granted, these days uh, we live according to the law of Christ. The Lord has sanctified all meats. God in the beginning made all things good. He didn't make anything unclean. He made all things uh, good. But for um, the for uh, the covenant that God gave Moses, the law he gave Moses, Israel in that land, in that place, uh, God gave them dietary restrictions. Uh, we've been liberated from that. Granted, the food is still unclean. You know, when you sit down here in Kansas City for a rack of Kansas City ribs, that's that meat is still unclean. But when you pray over it and bless it, you sanctify it. It makes it clean. That's the power of praying over your food. It sanctifies it, blesses it, uh, so it's no longer sin. But God makes it good, makes it righteous, makes it uh, eatable. And uh, not only that, but keeps it from sickness and disease. Praise the Lord. So that, that's a verse Daniel would have looked to. Uh, Daniel was put on the spot to uh, have the revelation and the interpretation of dreams of the Medes and the Persian kings. You know, normal people can't do that, but with God's help, he could have done that. Well, what verse would have Daniel looked to uh, during that time of being put on the spot? Well, it says in Psalm 25, the secrets of the Lord are with those who fear him. The secrets of the Lord are with those who fear him. So Daniel didn't know what the, the king dreamed. How can somebody know what somebody else dreams? People don't know, but God knows. And God revealed his knowledge to Daniel and, of course, revealed the interpretation. So Daniel's prayer and understanding of Scripture helped him to interpret dreams. What about in the the den of lions? What about in the den of lions? You know, you're thrown into a a pit of lions. You know, how, how do you keep your sanity in that moment? How do you stay alive in that moment? You see, Daniel, it's, it says in Daniel 6, had distinguished himself. And that is how he got promoted. He distinguished himself. Uh, for those of you out there, you guys and girls who are young and you aspire to be something great for God, you want to uh, have a leadership position, some type of status in the church, can I tell you, there's many ways you get that. But one way is to distinguish yourself. Uh, you cannot be ordinary. You cannot be an underachiever. You need to distinguish yourself. You need to offer something good uh, if you uh, aspire to have upper-level leadership. That's really how you get notice. noticed, is uh, to distinguish yourself. And because of Daniel's promotion, it made other uh, leaders jealous of him. So what they did was they made Daniel's, uh, th- uh, through manipulation of law, through uh, secret agreements, they made Daniel's religious practice illegal. They made it illegal. And so they had uh, King Darius sign a decree and order that for 30 days nobody may petition any god or anybody else for 30 days. And if they do, they'll be thrown into the pit of lions. 
Well, Darius liked this law and said, yes, for 30 days, 30 days, nobody shall petition any other God or any other person except me. Well, Daniel can't go 30 days without praying. So what does he do? He goes up to his room in a secret place where nobody can see, nobody can hear. And all he does is open up a window towards Jerusalem to pray and meditate and call out to God. That's all he does. Well, of course, uh, you need to read the story um, in the book of Daniel. Uh, Daniel was then arrested and thrown into the den of lions because the laws of the Medes and the Persians cannot be broken. Well, while he was in that den of lions, obviously Daniel prayed, but I believe he also had scriptures in mind, things that he would have known about. You take a look in the book of Judges chapter 14. Samson, with the strength of the Lord, overpowered a lion, killed the lion with his bare hands. That's something. First Samuel chapter 17, David also killed a lion. Second Samuel chapter 23, Benaniah, uh, he, killed a, uh, he killed a lion and killed also a lion-like man of the Moabites. You know, there's other scriptures. Uh, for instance, Job chapter 4, the blast of God they perish. By the breath of his anger they are consumed. The roaring lion and teeth of a lion are broken. Also Psalm 22, save me from the lion's mouth and you have answered me. So these are scriptures that Daniel would have known. Daniel would have believed in and through the faith and understanding of the scripture and through prayer and faith and the godly life that he lived, God put the lions and all, all of them on the Daniel diet. They couldn't eat meat. They could only eat vegetables. <laughs> yes, everybody's heard that joke, but it still works. So yeah, the lions did not eat Daniel. Although they were hungry, they did not eat him. So, so there you have instances. I, I gave you three or four there. You know, how Daniel you know, kept his peace during the time of captivity and being made a eunuch. The Bible says it would happen. Uh, being tested for 10 days with his uh, kosher diet, interpreting dreams and surviving the lion's den. All of those things, those are examples of Daniel being on trial, being through trouble, and he leaned on the word of God to help him. And then, of course, you get into how Daniel prayed and how Daniel kept the faith. You know, during that time, Jeremiah said it's going to be 70 years of captivity. And so Daniel knew the word of God said 70 years. It's not going to be 67. It's not going to be 60. It's not going to be 50. It's going to be 70 years. And he prayed that and believed in that. And before you know it, angels started manifesting. Dreams started coming. The Lord helped him uh, during that time of trial. So we need to be reading the Word of God like this, and we need to be understanding the Word of God like this. And uh, I'm about to uh, apply it to our lives here today. I hear so many excuses for people not reading their Bible. So many excuses for people not reading the Bible. A lot of people say, I don't have time. Well, you just, uh, the night before, uh, stayed up to 4 a.m. binge-watching uh, TV. You have no excuse that you don't have time. Uh, a lot of people may say, you know what, I don't really believe, you know, that we're supposed to read the Bible. I get enough of it at church. I have heard that once or twice. You know, I hear that excuse. Are you good? Are you comfortable enough with that? Are you willing to take a risk to be able to stand before God and the Lord takes into judgment your devotion with his word and you're able to say, you know, God, I would have read your word, but oh, oh, my favorite uh, online streaming service produced this amazing TV show that I just had to watch. It was so awesome. 
you know, I, I don't think that's going to work at the, the white throne judgment of God. Or you say, you know, God, I heard the word preached. I heard it in songs. You know, I sang a lot. I went to church. I just didn't have time for the Bible. I didn't feel like it was important. Uh, let me tell you something. Preachers, preaching is important. Seeking the, the Lord is important. But let me just tell you this. Jesus said that there's going to be a lot of things come and go, but the word of God remains forever. He said not even a jot or a tittle. Not even the punctuation would pass away until all is fulfilled. Can I tell you this? The Word of God is the foundation of everything that we have. Pentecost, the revelation of the full gospel, would have never come to pass if it were not for the Word of God. We wouldn't know who Jesus is without the Scripture. We wouldn't know what heaven is without the Scripture. We wouldn't know what anything is without the Scripture. You've got to have the Word of God placed in your life. It is a sharp two-edged sword. It is the revelation of God. It is the knowledge of God. You have got to have the Bible, and especially in this time and this season. You're not going to make it without the word of the Lord. You're not going to make it without the word of the Lord. You need to love it. You need to read it. You need to get it inside of you. And I think in general, everybody who is a follower of Jesus, spiritual people, apostolic people, we love our Bible. There's The main reason probably we're not reading it the number one excuse I hear for people not reading it, and they're ashamed of it, they're not proud of it, but the number one excuse I hear is, I don't understand it. I don't understand the Bible. And uh, I think that is an honest excuse. I think that is, uh, in a way, being objective, saying, help me understand it. And that's what we're doing here. Let me help you understand it in a way, probably, that Daniel understood it and some ways that I've done in my own life, and I hope it helps you out. Uh, number one, to help you understand your Bible, you need to get a modern Bible translation. I'm not saying throw out your KJV. It would be better placed on the bookshelf. Don't throw out your Bible. Save all of them. Uh, pass it down as a keepsake to your children one day. But yeah, ditch the KJV. It's an old language. It's a foreign language. It's Shakespearean. It's Elizabethan language. We don't speak that way anymore. Now, if you like it, you understand it, uh, keep on reading. But for the rest of us, you know, that, uh, you know, our English exceeds maybe the limits of Twitter. That's about, and that's about it. You need a modern translation. I, I like them all. I've even read the Precious Moments Bible. It's not that bad, actually. But I'm a New King James Version majority type person. I like the New King James I like the translation uh, philosophy. I like the way it reads, the wording. It's really good. It keeps the strong uh, use of language that the KJV does. For instance, you got to have, thus saith the Lord. I, I can't read a Bible version that says, this is what God says. No, I want to hear, thus saith the Lord. That's what I want. So it keeps that strong feeling. I think the Hebrew and Greek feeling that it's supposed to have. So I like New King James. But I know a lot of us uh, now, a lot of my buddies are preaching and teaching, reading, studying from the English Standard, English Standard Version, uh, which is very nice. I've read that too. Uh, I've read them all. I like them. But uh, New King James is what I recommend. You need to get a Bible you like. Maybe your Bible is an old Bible that your grandma gave you when you were seven years old. Maybe it's bright white with gold lettering on it, and it's it smells weird. I, I don't know. You just you just don't like it. Put that on the shelf. Go get a nice Bible that you like. They make beautiful Bibles nowadays. A nice leather. 
you know, back when I was first starting to read the Bible, either you got a black one or a burgundy one, and that's it. And if you were uh, lucky enough, you could get your name imprinted on it. Well, nowadays, they got Bibles all sorts of fancy colors, all sorts of fancy designs on them. I mean, you can even get one with camo on it. You can get one, uh, you know, that... uh, you know, whatever. You, they got some with cool-looking uh, designs on them. They've got crosses on them. they got uh, crowns of thorns on them. Some of them have guitars on, on them. Uh, so many types of really cool, nice-looking Bibles. Some of them look like old classic journals. Uh, some of them don't even look like Bibles, you know. Now some of them look like uh, really uh, cool-looking fictional novels, you know, whatever. I'm waiting for them to make an actual, like, accessible scroll. I want to carry a scroll. (laughs) I'm just kidding, but that would be kind of nice. I would like to have a scroll of the Bible someday. Maybe you don't like physical copies of of Bibles. Maybe move to a digital format. Download a Bible. You can get one for free almost anywhere or pay $3.99 to get a nice uh, version. Maybe you have some type of learning disability, or maybe you have a hard time comprehending what you read. I would suggest you get an audio Bible. Even if you are a good reader, it's good to have an audio Bible around. Audio listening is important. I think putting the Bible into your head uh, uh, through an audio voice is really cool, especially if you get a British man reading the word of God to you. I really like it. Those British audio Bibles, those are epic. Uh, I would also say, and I may get a lot of blowback for this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it anyway. Ditch the study Bible. Yes, you heard me right. Ditch the study Bible. And I know some of you are saying, whoa, 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 whoa. I can't read the Bible without a study Bible. Okay. I have study Bibles. I'm looking at my bookshelf right now. I have some really nice study Bibles. I use study Bibles to study the Bible. There is a difference between reading your Bible and studying the Bible. I would just like to just recommend to you read your Bible. Don't study the Bible, meaning you don't need to dig out all of the terms. You don't need to dig out all of the deep concepts that are in a study Bible. And I've just found if you want to start reading your Bible more, you need to eliminate every distraction you can. And it's really hard to read your Bible when you're looking at the page and only 25% of it is actual scripture. The rest of it is some commentary from some wise guy, some know-it-all from some university or whatever, whatever, probably doesn't even believe the Bible, but claims to be some type of apologist. And then you got a big, huge Bible map on there. And then maybe a picture of something, whatever. You're not really getting your Bible. You're getting what somebody else thinks about the Bible. Ditch all of that and just get a text Bible. Get a text Bible. You will be surprised. The more you read it, the more you pick up on it. I know kids right now who can quote lines and lines and lines and lines of Star Wars. Why? Do they have an education in Star Wars? No. Do they have a degree in Star Wars? No. How do they know so much about Star Wars? Well, they watch it a lot. You know about what you watch about. You know about what you read about. And the more you read your Bible, the more you'll understand it. So these kids aren't watching Star Wars with commentaries. They're not watching a study Star Wars episode with all of these study notes from all of these other people. No. That's just the way God made the human mind. You watch, you learn. You read, you learn. I don't know what it is about the Bible. People think it's just like this high up, unattainable, ununderstandable book that only only men and women of God can understand. No, the Bible was written for anybody to understand. Even a seven-year-old can understand it. So read it. And the more you read it, the more you'll learn it. 
I know a lot of people like to journal and write when they read their Bible. That's fine. I do that. But don't even feel like it. Don't feel like you have to do it. Just read it. Reading it will put it into your head. Then also, lastly, you need to pray that God gives you understanding. This is really important. Pray that God gives you understanding. This is what Daniel had. And to have that type of understanding will take your Bible reading uh, to another level and will be more enjoyable to you, and you'll be able to use it when you're on trial and in trouble. I want to tell you about my personal story in um, my Bible reading. I was not a reader growing up. Elementary, school, teenage years. I had a great childhood, great teenage years, but one thing that was lacking was reading. I really just did not like to read. I'll kind of tell on myself, when it came time for book reports in school, I would sort of read the beginning of the book, a little bit in the middle, and then at the end, and would formulate some type of book report and was happy just to get a C on it. Okay, I'm ashamed of that, but that's just the way I was. I had a real problem with reading. I didn't read a lot growing up. I, I had accessibility to books. I just did not like to read. And I, when I was in Bible college, I knew that I needed to like to read. If I wanted to be a, a preacher, a teacher of the Word of God, I had to read. And there was no excuse for me uh, not to read. So on my 21st birthday, I got down, and for the first time in my life, I asked God for a birthday present. And you know what I asked him for? I asked God to give me a love to read his word. That was on November 4th. By Thanksgiving, I had read the Bible through cover to cover. I did it. By Christmas, I read it through cover to cover again. Twice. I did it. And then by Valentine's Day the next year, I read it again. I read the Bible three times in just a little bit over 90 days. I did it. God gave me a love to read his word. Thank you, Jesus. He gave it to me, and he'll give it to you. You know what I asked for on my 22nd birthday? I asked God to grant me understanding and deep insight into the word of God. God gave it to me. I know he did. Because some of the things he has revealed to me that I've preached now, uh, coming up on the, on the last 20 years, there is no way I could have seen that on my own. I was not a good reader. I was not a good student. I was not a studier. But God gave it to me. And God gave me revelation and deep insight to the word of God. And I thank him for that. And if you pray for those things, you ask God for those things. God wants to give you that. Those are good things. Those are going to help you. Those things help you get saved. Those things help you make disciples. Those things are kingdom-minded prayers. And after this episode, the next time you pray, ask God to give him a love to read the word. He'll give it to you. Ask him to give you deep understanding and insight to the word of God, and he'll give it to you, and you'll be able to use that in your ministry. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So during this time of the COVID-19 pandemic, how can we look to the word of God to give us strength, to give us answers, to give us insight into what is going on? You may be asking, Spirit Signal with Justin Gleason, I am freaking out. I am stressing and I have anxiety. What scripture speaks to this situation? Well, how about Philippians chapter 4? The Bible says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. So, with this passage, you know what it's saying? Stop venting your troubles on social media. Bring your troubles to God. 
you know, I've done it in the past. I have vented my problems on social media. Can I tell you, it's never brought me peace. Yeah, maybe a little attention and sympathy might make me feel a little better. But you want peace. Start talking to God about your worries. Start supplicating to God. Pour out your concerns to God. And then, of course, the most most important thing is pray prayers of thanksgiving. Let me tell you what. It's hard to be stressed out when you're thankful. It's hard to have anxiety when you're thankful. But when you start praying things like, Lord, thank you that I'm saved, it's hard to worry about the concerns of this life. When you start thanking God for your family, you start thanking God that you have somebody that cares about you, it's hard to have worries. When you start thanking the Lord for your church, you start thanking the Lord for this, you start thanking the Lord for that, you may not like your car that you have right now, but thank God you don't have to ride the bus or a bike. It's hard to have worries. You know, I could go on and on about this. During this time of uncertainty, you need to be pouring out your heart to God. You need to pray, supplicate, and thank God for your blessings. When you do that, he's going to give you peace. He will. And the Bible says there in Philippians 4, it's a peace that passes understanding. The peace that comes with those type of prayers cannot even be described in words. And you know, and I think the world is looking to this right now, to the church. Why is the church able to keep such a cool head? Why is the church able to get on social media and do services and keep a cool head and smile and talk and in, try to enjoy life the best they can? You want to know why? We really can't explain it. It's a peace that comes from God. It's supernatural. It's spiritual. We don't know how to explain it. But here's how you can have it too. Amen. Read over Philippians. It's a great book for during this time. Uh, maybe you're asking, you know, uh, the, ch- the church doors are locked. You know, how am I going to minister to the sick during the COVID-19? Uh, what scripture speaks to this? Uh, I did a little study in this morning, a little bit of thinking about this. You know, yes, the Bible says they'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And some are saying we're going to keep having church because we can't lay hands on somebody through the Internet. Well, that is true. But I'll have you notice this. Not every miracle in the Bible occurred with the laying on of hands. There are other ways of performing a miracle for somebody. I want to talk to you about speaking the word of faith over somebody. You know, a centurion approached the Lord uh, about a servant that was near death. And Jesus was willing to come to the man's house. But the centurion said, no, 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 don't come to my house. Just speak the word and my servant will be healed. And this type of faith marveled the Lord Jesus. And so he did speak the word and that servant was healed in that very hour. Speaking the word requires some great faith. You can't physically touch somebody uh, just because of the COVID-19 restrictions. So instead, speak the word to them. Speak the word to them six or seven feet away. Speak the word of them through the phone. Speak the word through a text. Speak the word through social media, something. Speak the word and watch them get healed. Uh, Use your shadow. You think I'm kidding? I am not kidding. Use your shadow. If you can use your voice, if you can use your hands, you can use your shadow. Acts chapter 5 and verse 15 says the sick were placed in the street so that even the shadow of Peter could pass by. I know some preachers and teachers have preached that there were so many people that Peter couldn't get to them all, but just his shadow was healing them. Uh, that may have been the case, but I also think that Peter used wisdom. You know, they had some general understanding back then uh, of people that were sick. You kept a distance to keep from getting that sickness like lepers. You know, they kept a distance. And that's possibly what was going on here with Peter. He said, I can't touch you 
you know, just to use wisdom to not pass a sickness, but instead I'll pray with you with my shadow. And he put his shadow upon people. You don't believe me? I have done this. I've gone to people in the hospital who were sick and unconscious and the doctors didn't want me to touch them. You know what I did? I turned the light on my phone, put it behind me, put my shadow over them and prayed for them and have seen people walk out of that hospital healed. It's real. You can use your shadow. Uh, Use a cloth. Use some sort of object. The Bible says in Acts 19 uh, that Paul sent uh, his handkerchiefs. He was cutting up his clothes, cutting up his outer garments called aprons. And people he couldn't physically embody go to, he sent garments that he had prayed for. And they took the garments and put them by the sick, the demon-possessed, and the disease and the sickness, the demons left them. So uh, send out a prayer cloth. Send out a prayer cloth. They work. Uh, Use the written word. Use the written word. I'm not saying you're writing Bible. I'm not saying you're writing scripture. But what I am saying is that you can use the word, uh, your own writings, to touch somebody. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, Paul's letters carried weight and power. His writings carried weight and power. The letters that we have. Yes, the letters that we have. Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, all of that. And if you've ever read them, you know that's true. Those letters have weight and power. But it says there in 2 Corinthians 10 that Paul's presence, his bodily presence was weak and his speech was contemptible. Meaning Paul's letters had more of an impact than even his physical presence. That is what the early church said of him. Your writings can be powerful. If God gives you a word, publish it. If God gives you a word, text it. If God gives you a word, write it out on a piece of paper and send it in the mail. So there you have it. You can minister to somebody. You can make disciples. You can see miracles during this time of the COVID-19 pandemic when we're practicing these social distancing. We're practicing the closing of essential businesses. All of these restrictions, you can speak the word. You can use your shadow. You can use a cloth. You can use the written word and uh, see a very powerful uh, miracle uh, happen. You may be asking yourself, you know, what do I do with these government restrictions? You know, is the government our enemy right now? Is the government trying to cause the church trouble? Is the government trying to silence the church? Uh, What scripture uh, speaks out about this? Well, remember this, that we are a people of peace. The New Testament uh, teaches us to uh, dwell peaceably with all men. It really does. It teaches us to mind our business. It teaches us to be quiet. It gives us the idea, don't go looking for trouble. Don't go looking for to start a fight. But you look at 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from the fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of the visitation. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of men for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and yes, honor the king. Honor the king. 
That is what I think really applies to this situation here. Our governing leaders are sent there by God. And what they do is not in vain. It is a good thing. And the word of God says here, honor them, submit to them. Doing this, it is going to be good for you in the future. Governments can be friendly to the church. Governments can help the church excel. Governments offer protection for the church. And Paul is saying, because evil is going to rise against you, have a good report with the governing powers that it may help you. It can put to silence foolish people out there. It can put to silence troublemakers for the church, and the governing powers have done this for us uh, in the past. So you, you want the government on your side. And to keep the government on our side, we need to have peace with them. So there's some pastors out there that are not complying with the government. Matter of fact, they're dishonoring the government. They are not in agreement with the government. What did Jesus teach us? He said, when you are struck on the cheek, offer the other. There's a lot of pastors and churches out there. They are not turning the other cheek. Jesus said, go an extra mile with them. Jesus said, go ahead and give them your extra garment. Agree with your adversaries. You know, these scriptures in Matthew 5 had to do with the government. That was the way the Romans, uh, as a gesture of oppression upon the Jews, they would strike them on the cheek just to get a response out of them, just to get them to act out and break the law. Roman soldiers would force them to walk extra miles carrying their belongings. They would force them to give them their garments. That was what the soldiers did to intimidate. Yeah, that's what the governing powers, the militant powers of Rome did to intimidate. They would strike them on the cheek. They would make them walk farther than they had to, especially maybe on the Sabbath, or they would force them to give them extra clothing. And Jesus said to keep peace with them, do it. And you want to know why Jesus taught that? Otherwise, you're going to jail. It's not worth it. Okay? Is the government trying to stop the spread of the gospel? or to try to stop the spread of corona. <laughs> I think it's obvious. The government wants to stop the spread of corona. The government right now is not persecuting the church. But you better believe it. If push comes to shove, they will prosecute. Use wisdom. Listen to the government. And I believe the churches that do, that people do, just like the Word of God says, the Lord is going to silence foolish men, and the Lord is going to be a friend of the church through, yes, governing powers. Mm -hmm. We're not being persecuted. We are not being persecuted. Uh, I put it out there on uh, social media just to try to generate some ideas from other people. I want to know what people are thinking about this. That is this, are these COVID-19 restrictions put on the church? Is this actual persecution or is this just a temporary action to stay the plague? Lori says... If it was a plan to stop the church and our faith, it was an epic fail. <laughs> she says, I feel like the church as a whole has taken on new wings and has left the building. God is showing his people it's time to do what we have needed to do for a long time. Trust him and spread the word. Good thinking, Lori. I like that. Brother Chad Wicker. Hello, Brother Chad. Brother Chad is a, uh, a leader in, in deaf ministry. He's a great man. 
had the opportunity to work with him in a deaf conference here at our local church several years ago. God bless you, Brother Chad. He says that if it was an attempt to stop the gospel, they would not suggest using alternative methods. <laughs> Woo! Wisdom has spoken there. Yep. Brother David Peters, phenomenal youth pastor, my good friend. He says, we are in the midst of a once-in-a-generational pandemic. This is not to sow fear, but to rather give a foundational, uh, rather give a foundation to reality. With that being said, the best example to look uh, to, to, to look to would be the Spanish flu epidemic of 1918. During this outbreak, many churches willingly converted to mobile hospitals, and many more closed their doors, moving to door-to-door services. Yes, the pastors actually went door-to-door and prayed. After the outbreak, church was allowed to resume as normal, and every mobile hospital location returned. The idea that this is a persecution of the church and that things will not be returned to normal is just information. Mm. Cody McKee, he says, seems how it is affecting everyone and not just the church. I think the answer is apparent. You know, I put this post out there just to try to see what other people are thinking, and I'm glad to see, glad to know that we're all in agreement here, at least the spirit signal people are, that this is not persecution. These are just temporary actions to just stay the plague. So maybe you're out there thinking that this is persecution and you want to continue to have church and break the restrictions, to break the rules. I want you to ask yourself this. Are breaking these COVID-19 restrictions on the church worth your pastor, your leader getting arrested? Is it worth your pastor being prosecuted? Is it worth your pastor being sent to jail? And yes, maybe even imprisonment. Is it worth paying thousands, thousands and thousands, maybe up into the millions of dollars worth of fines and legal fees? Is it worth the health department shutting down your house of worship? Is it worth your church losing its insurability? The list goes on and on. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is it worth it? I know we don't like this. I miss coming together with my church. I miss seeing the people. I, I love a social media presence, but man cannot live by social media alone. <laughs> he has to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, and he has to assimilate with his church. Well, this pandemic will pass. I predicted a 60-day deal, I think, around May. Uh, well, everything will be back to normal. Business will continue as usual. Economy will recover. We're going to have revival. God's going to keep us safe. And so that's what we're waiting for, and that's what I hope you are waiting for. But let's just continue to pray. Let's continue to live a holy life. And in this season, read your Bible. When you think you read it enough, read it some more. Read it in the morning. Read it in the afternoon. Read it at night. This is a perfect time to get revelation from the scripture that you have never seen before. And when you get that revelation, don't just keep it to yourself. Tell somebody about it. Turn on your phone. Turn it around. Press the live button. Get your face on your Facebook. Turn on your Instagram. Record a video of yourself. Put your fat Daniel's Fast diet face on that. 
be a talking head, present the word of God. This is Spirit Signal with Justin Gleason, the home of God, Bible, and church. God bless you for listening. Podcasting is the future, and I hope I have a future in it. We're taking the genre of religion and spirituality to another level.